stop until I'm done. And Numbers chapter 13, verse 25, we start reading. It says, And they returned from searching of the land for four, after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We come unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it flowed with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And more, we saw the children of Enoch there. The Amalek, uh, uh, Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are all well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw it, and are men of great stature. And they saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants that were in their own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses, against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land and fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly and the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that were searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is exceedingly good land. And the Lord delight in us that we will bring into us this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them stone with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere that they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. And I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make them a greater nation, mightier than they. I can't imagine this, this passage. I can't imagine how much disappointment was in God's voice as he had to deal with this uh, untoward generation. Well, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful today, Lord, that you've given us uh, an ability Lord, to read your word and to discern it. I ask you, Lord, that the folks that are here today, first of all, bless them for being obedient and faithful Lord, thank you so much for them wanting to further their Christian walk. But secondly, Lord, I pray that they'd understand what's being taught here today. Lord, may you, may you guide my mouth, Lord. May your Holy Spirit work in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We find here in Numbers that the children of Israel were basically brought to the very edge of the land of promise. I think of times in my life when I've gotten to the land of uh, land of promise. You say, what's your land of promise, Brother Harold? I don't know. You think about your some of the big pinnacles of your life. You think about marriage. 
Uh, my wife, she's not in here right now, but she was, she was one of my lands of promise that God promised me. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to what God's give you. I'll give you a, a spouse that's going to be exactly who you need. I think about some of the lands of promise that God's given me, my children. I think about uh, some of the re- responsibilities I have. It's a land of promise. I can. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll what? Not depart from it. Listen to me. God's given us many promises, lands of promises. There's peace in my heart that the world cannot give. There's a peace that the world can't take away, my friend. It's called the love of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, what can depart us from the love of Jesus Christ? Can, can, uh, the, the, uh, you can put yourself in the deepest sea. And what does the Bible say? He's not, he, he will not forsake you. There's only one time in this world that someone that was a Christian or was a son of God, did, did God ever forsake? And that was his own son when he died on the cross. Listen to me. You are, you are, uh, Jesus Christ took the penalty that you deserved. God's got plenty of promise out there for the Christian. But we squander that liberty, don't we? We squander the promises of God because we are so content in this lifestyle that we're living. We're constantly destroyed by the onslaught of Satan. And we're constantly looking to something else besides what God's got for us. I can't imagine as these children of Israel had spent 400 years in the land of Egypt. I can't imagine the injustice and disparity that was treated to them as a person. They were told to be slaves as they were supposed to be what? They were supposed to be uh, partners in this land of Egypt, wasn't he? Joseph came in. There wasn't anything uh, wrong that Joseph done. Actually, Joseph was what? The second in command. The Bible says there came a day that they forgot Joseph. There became a Pharaoh that forgot Joseph. And listen to me, these children of Israel then were treated harshly. They were treated to a point where they cried out to God. And the Bible says that God heard their cry. What happened? God sent Moses into the land or into Egypt. And he gave them someone to be a leader to take them to that land of promise. And listen, God taught them some lessons along the way uh, to the land of promise. And they finally get to the wilderness in Paran. And as they're in Paran, they get ready. Uh, and behold, the great thing that God had prepared for them. Can you imagine the anticipation that these children of Israel, they, they sat outside the land of promise and they were excited because God was giving them something special, something that their people had expected for years and years and years. And as they stood there and they camped out on that, that thing, they sent in 12 spies to spy out the land. Listen, we as Christians sometimes look. We look out there and we see what we're dealing with, don't we? We have some struggles, don't we? We have issues. We have issues with sin. We got issues with uh, uh, the world. We got issues with the flesh. We got issues with the uh, eyes that we have. It's always wants more and more and more. And it's always trying to abandon the very things that God has given us. And these spies went out there and what did they do? They looked out in the land and they saw the milk and honey. They saw uh, the grapes and the a uh, uh, cluster's long. I, I love that song we used to sing in junior church. Twelve men went to spy and Cain and ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Cain and ten were bad and two were good? Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. There was ten of them. What did they see? They saw the thing that they thought God could not take care of. Listen to me, folks. 
Is God still on the throne? Is he? Or do we just say so? Is God still on the throne? Is he willing to take care of your needs from day to day? Is God still on the throne? Or is he still uh, uh, nowhere in your heart? God wants to take care of you. He loves you. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God committeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ, what? Died for us. God loves you. He's got great promises for you. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher, and I'm telling you, if you listen to those prosperity gospel preachers, you're listening to a bunch of rock. You're listening to a preacher who's basically just nothing but tickling the ears of, of some of the people that are in his, in his congregation. Listen to me. God loves you, but He also is a holy and He's a just God. You cannot get to God on your own. You must come through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by what? Me! Too many Christians have what? Supplied their own needs. They've supplied their own wants. And so what do they do when they come before Jesus Christ? They sit in this church and you know what? They're falling asleep. Why? Because God's not real. God's not on the throne. They've given up on what God wants them to do. And they're just what? Status quo. Listen to me. God wants to give you something special. You're right on the precipice of something that God wants to give you. But too many Christians are sitting there and they're what? They're looking at what the world has to offer. They're looking at what the world is, is putting in their place. They say, it's too hard. I can't do this. They've disowned the very thing that God has given them. They forget that God has brought them to this point. They forget that God killed all of the Egyptian army by what? Parting the Red Sea. What has God done in your life? What has God brought you to this point? Some of us sit back and we say, well, yeah, God's done some great things. He's brought me from some sin. And boy, I'm thankful for God for that. But boy, this next project that I have, this, this bill that I need to get paid, this, uh, this problem that I have with my child, this problem I have with my spouse, this problem I have with my family, I, God can't take care of that. Can He not? He brought you from sin. Do you think He can bring others? I think there's three different points that I, I'm going to point out today, and I'm going to dwell on these. But ba basically, as a Christian, we have three different things that, that we can learn from the children of Israel in this story. And I'm going to I'm going to say first of all, one of the biggest things that the children of Israel were done or did during this time was they were lost in their sin. Listen to me, and I'm I'm, I'm preach a little bit to the, the the unsaved, but I'm also going to really hammer some of you Christians out there. The Bible says very clearly that if we die in our sins, that we will what? Go to hell. You read in Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and the unbelieving, whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and murderers and all what? Liars shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Listen, as a Christian or as a person that's unsaved here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I don't care if you've come to church here for 20 years. Listen to me, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've never turned to Him right now, you're headed to a place called hell. I had the joy uh, this uh, yesterday, my daughters, uh, Katie and Callie, if you get them, congratulate them. 
But they both accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior last night. I can't tell you how that brings joy to their dad's heart. I've prayed for them and prayed for them and prayed for them. When I talked to Katie last night and she was sitting there, she was, she'd done something wrong and I turned to her and I said, Look, when you see Jesus' sin as the way Jesus sees her, you see God's sin the way God sees it, come talk to me. I said, listen, your sin right now, you're never going to get over this. What you just did to your sister, you can't get over this. You need Jesus to help you. And I left it at that. An hour later, she comes to me. She says, Dad, she says, I'm sad about my sin. Here's a little six-year-old. She understood that sin was sending her to hell. And that day she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Jesus has the same thing for you. You don't have to be a six-year-old. You can be a 40-year-old. You can be a 50-year-old. You can be like some that have died on their deathbed and you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. doesn't matter. God loves all and He wants all to come to Jesus Christ. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me. Today is the day. Don't put it off. Tomorrow may be too late. Think of some of these recent deaths I've heard of. Uh, in 9-11, some of the stories that came from that. And I can't imagine as those men or women, they were standing in front of the window and they saw that plane come into the tower. I can't imagine what, would have, what was going through their minds as they were enjoying their normal average day. The Bible is very clear. It says, take not what thought of tomorrow, because you know not what the day brings forth. I kind of butchered that, but... The idea there is, listen to me, you have a responsibility before God for today. Tomorrow may be too late. Tomorrow, it might be the last day that you live. Remember this boy, and I've told this story before, his name was Darnell Cross. Darnell Cross was the first boy that I've ever met that was my age that had died. He had decided to go out and take a joy ride. He, my dad used to pick him up on the Sunday school bus. He took a joy ride out to Kentucky with four friends and ran into a tree. He was only 13 years old. And he died. Darnell heard the same gospel message that I heard. Darnell heard the same uh, messages that I heard. And listen to me. Darnell had the same opportunity. Listen to me. You're without reproach here, my friend. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, listen. You might be tomorrow. might be too late. And for you Christians out there, I think what we get lost in our sin because we get so comfortable in our past life. When you, I told my daughters yesterday, I said, listen, Katie, I said, listen, Callie, you have a responsibility for God. This is a big decision. You are literally surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. You're saying, God, I'm no longer going to live my life according to what I want. I'm not going to do what I want to do. But instead, I'm going to trust in you as my Savior. And now I'm going to live for you. I said, it's an important thing. Christians, I think, have done that. They've turned to Jesus Christ. They've given their life to Jesus Christ. They've accepted the fact that Jesus is now their Savior. They believe in Him. They've repented of their sins. But one thing that they forget is to leave that old past behind them. Don't get too comfortable. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. 
If ye then, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. In verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Listen to me, there's a lot of folks out there that are putting their affections on the things of this earth. The Bible says we're moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Listen to me. God has something special for you, but if you're so set in your past and you're loving too much of this world, listen to me, you'll never get to see the promises of God. Why? Because you've literally put your affections on something different. You've put your affection. I'll tell you what, what is an affection? i got some young people in here. What's an affection, Esther? I'm sorry? You don't know? Chloe, what's an affection? Okay. Affection. I bet Wyatt back there, he loves his wife, don't you? You love Susie? Yeah? You love her a lot? Are you affectionate towards her? Yeah, you are, aren't you? He's one of those lost romantics. you got to watch out for that old Wyatt. You know what? As Christians, as we have to be what? Affectionate towards the things of God. We need to show our affection. It's not just enough to plant yourself in this pew and spend a little time listening to a message from Pastor Teasdale. But you know what? You need to take it home with you. Listen to me. When you're saved, it's a new life. The Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, it doesn't matter what the world's doing. It doesn't matter what the latest TV show is, is. It doesn't matter what kind of sports is out there. It doesn't matter what the political realm is. Listen to me. The only thing that you're concerned about is your love for Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ wants you to do. The Bible says, set your affections on things above. The entertainment of this world is something that you can put your affections on, isn't it? I was just reading the other day about this. There's a Netflix show out there that's literally providing for uh, pedophilia. Literally providing for it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. We sit in there and we watch shows like that. Listen to me. How can you have the Spirit of God in your heart? Remember when I was a young person before I was married? I sat down with a group of friends from Bible college. I was okay, Bible college, okay. Good guys, right? Sat down with them and we started watching a show and all of a sudden, what do you think popped up? A little nudity? A little cursing? And the Holy Spirit says, Harold, you can't watch that. And I got up and I said, what are you guys watching? This is disgusting. And they were flabbergasted that I would say something like that. It's interesting. Every one of those boys that were in Bible college with me, one's divorced. He's now a, a Jehovah Witness. One's left his wife of four kids. Another guy's in a, uh, a strange relationship. Another man is living... Uh, a life of sin. Another man has lost his standards, gone the own way. Why? Because it starts right there with your heart. Listen to me. If you can't allow yourself to sit in front of that television and, and allow yourself to be drawn in by that cursing and drawn in by that nudity, I, I personally have tried not to watch television. I'll sit there and I, I can sit and watch the news, but you know what? There are a lot of gross things out there. You got decades and decades of, of, of Hollywood videos. And you mean to tell me that these folks have the right thing and the right stuff for you? 
You sit there and watch it. Boy, they're just full of all kinds of filth. Don't tell me that you don't have a demonic influence in your home if you sit there and watch that television day in and day out. They're constantly bombarding you with Satan's advances. And you're constantly taking it in. You wouldn't allow for someone to come in your home and say those type of things. But you know what? You'll let your television come in there and say it. What, what's up with that? There's some raunchy television. Turn to Psalms chapter 1 and verse 101, verse 3. David had a, the right idea. Psalms chapter 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not what? Cleave to me. You sit in front of that television, you expect God to bless your life, and you watch that filth? Listen to me. God's not going to bless it. You're sitting in the land of promise. God says, no, nope, I'm going to put you on the shelf. You're sitting at the land of promise, and you say, God, I want to go in. Sorry. You're looking at something else that you shouldn't. Turn to Job chapter 31, verse 1 and 2. Job chapter 31, verse 1 and 2. Job had the right idea. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? For what portion of God is there above from above? And what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Some of you ladies say, I don't have a problem with looking at nudity. I don't have a problem with it. Oh, you're probably right. God's made you a little bit different. But you'll sit there and watch those romantic Disney movies, won't you? You'll sit there and watch that. Listen to me. Don't tell me that doesn't rot your head full of bad ideas. There's all kinds of garbage in that in those movies. I tell you what, I hope my children never have to watch that stuff. I pray that they don't. Listen to me. You need to make a covenant with your eyes. Say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to allow for the destruction of my family, the destruction of my friends, the destruction of my spirit because of this television. Not only do we have demonic influence on television, but we also have a lot of demonic influence through the, through the Internet. Listen to me. Some people get on their doctrine only from Dr. Wigglejaw. Listen to me. There is nobody in here that loves you more than your pastor. I will protect you. I will stand for you. I will make sure that I will do what God wants me to do. Because it's my job. But listen to me. That internet out there, they're going to give you all kinds of false doctrines. You don't know this. They might be telling you something and doing something completely different. You don't know their way of life. You don't know how they're acting. They could be saying, oh, praise God, and then they're going home and being an adulterer. You could say, hey, uh, praise God, but you know the rest of the life they're smoking, they're drinking, and they're boozing. How do you know? Listen to me. Come to your local church. You'll know. I've, I've had probably five or six families out to my, my house. How many's been in my house this week, this summer? Five or six families out to my house. You know why? I want them to know how I live. I heard a preacher one time say, I don't bring people home because it's my uh, family altar. It's where my family is and preside. No. I want you guys to see how I live. I want you to see, and I want to see that I walk the walk and I talk the talk. Listen to me, as a Christian, we need to be careful now. We're not getting on the internet. 
Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that which we have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Verse 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after first and second admonition reject, knowing that he is subverted and sinneth and being condemned of himself. You got to be careful. You don't even know if he's a heretic. He could be walking around with all kinds of stuff and he's got the spirit of the devil. Oh, brother, listen to me. Uh, I preach it myself on this one. Some of the young people. How many are uh, 40 or younger in this in this uh, congregation? All right. You don't have to raise your hand. Oscar, put your hand down. I know you're not 40. You're older than me, brother. You're older than me. Nice try. You know, our generation of 40 or younger, it's video games, isn't it? It's video games. How much time do you spend on the video? I remember the first time. My dad, thank goodness, he didn't allow me to watch, play video games. I think the only time I got to play it was I got to go to grandma's. That was about it. And the first thing I did, being the rebellious son that I was, First thing I did was I went out and got me an Xbox. I got out of the house, got married, wife bought me an Xbox. You wouldn't believe it. Dad's hearing this for the first time. No, I'm just kidding. He's probably heard this before. I remember I went out there and, and my wife, she worked the first shift and I worked the second shift. And there would be days where I would spend eight hours, ten hours a day playing a video game. And I'd, I know, right, Andrew? I'd have these bloodshot eyes. My wife would come home and thought I was doing drugs. But it was a drug. It was just a drug of my choice. I was playing hour after hour after hour of these video games. You tell me, brother, are you preaching against video games? What I'm preaching against is your time. God's given you some time, hasn't he? And you waste it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Trusting his word, let us watch and pray. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them who are without redeeming the time. Listen to me. God's given us time. We don't know how long we have, but God's given us some. It's a precious, precious substance. You wouldn't say if, if I had a million dollars in the bank and you'd say, boy, Brother Harold, I wouldn't let that go to waste. But listen to me. There's something more valuable than a million dollars, and that's your time. There's people today that said, well, I wish I had a little more time. People today that are dying and they say, oh, I wish I had more time with my family. I wish I had more time to serve my God. I wish I had more time to be faithful to the things that God has given me to do. Listen to me. God has given you the time. Listen to me. You look at these children of Israel. They were what? They were obsessed with the things of this world. They said, give me the leeks. Give me the onions. They said, I want more of Egypt. But really what they should have said is, God, give me more of you. Don't expect for God to walk away and say, oh, well, hey, you know what? You haven't been following me. You haven't been keeping my commandments. So, hey, I'm going to just give you the land of promise. God wants people who are serious about serving him. And the fourth thing I think we find that we're lost in this world is the worship of man through sports, academia, and science. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I've been reading these through Romans with my family for devotions. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Turn there. This is going to be a little bit of a longer passage. I ask you to just turn there and just read this with me. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, what does it say? They glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing themselves to be what? Wise. They became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to an incorruptible man, and to birds, and the four-footed beasts, and the creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped the ser and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. I tell you what, I'm not a political person. I try, not to, I try to stay out of politics because I think it wrecks relationships and I think it destroys people's spirit towards the things of God. I think there's one truth. I'll back it up here in a second. There's one truth. Someone comes preaching at me some type of uh, political science. I'm going to say, listen, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? People say, what's your candidate preference? I'm going to tell them right now. There's one thing that, that, that really gets me. What does the Bible say? You turn to me and you say, Brother Harold, uh, what do you believe about this environmental impact and this environment? And please, God, I think we should be good stewards of what God has given us. I'm not, I'm not disposing of that idea. But what I am saying is, is it better line up with the Word of God? Yes. Too many people are reaching, coming here, oh, this beautiful tree. I want to spend time with the environment. What do they worship it? A creature. Right? They don't spend much time with Jesus Christ because why? Because Jesus Christ is foolish to, to them. Listen to me. The environment's great. God gave it to us. He said to be what? Good stewards of it. Animals are great. I got plenty of them. I got two, two cats and a dog. I love animals. But that doesn't mean I worship them. God's given me what? The ability to what? Be a steward over them. Not worship them. You sit there today and you say, boy, I, Dr. Wigglejaw says this and Dr. Wigglejaw says that. Listen to me. You're listening to the wrong guy. Turn your Bibles to Colossians, or Romans chapter 3, verse 4. God forbid. I'll give you a second to get there. God forbid. A couple chapters away. Let God be true and but every man a what? Boy, I tell you what, we can believe everything but the word of God, can't we? <laughs> the Bible is very clear about things that we should be doing. The Bible always tells what the Bible says about uh, our relationships. The Bible tells us what we need to know, who we should marry, what we should marry. Yes. People, Bible, people don't like it when the Bible says, and God created male and female. Right. What? There's a gender? Yeah. God, God also tells us a lot of things about who we should marry. Right? People get too wrapped up in what the politics says and what people think you should do. Listen to me. It should be what God says. 
We sit back and we allow for the world to dictate exactly what we should think and what we should say and what we should believe. Listen to me, we're no worse than they are. God says, turn to me and I will turn to you. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God's got something special for you? He sure does. But he wants you to do it by his rules. You can try to live the life that you think is right. You can say, yeah, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And this is my next point. The goals of this world. There are so many goals out there, but listen to me. We can be lost in the things of this world, but listen to me. We shouldn't. The Bible says to be what? In the world, but not part of it. You can try to be just like, I want to I want to make this type of money. I want to be this type of person. Why don't you just look at what God wants you to be? And number three, no, we lost this world and the goals of this world. But listen, too many people are looking for the acceptance of this world. They knew their place, the Israelites did. What was their place in Egypt? Slaves. You do this, you do that. Go there. But the difference is, when they became what? Following Moses, what happened? They were given a choice. They were given freedom. You can do what you want to do. Now, let me tell you something. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. But you know what? Too many Christians are like, what? They're just tramping in the blood of Jesus Christ. We need not to accept what the world tells us to do. You know what? If we go back to that same old lifestyle, that same old sin, it's like those uh, Israelites going back to the Egyptians and saying, yeah, direct me. Tell me what to do. we got to say, God, you're my master now. I'm following you. You give me direction. You give me the path. Status quo is what's accepted practice in the world. You want to be just like everybody else. But if you want to be a Christian, you're going to stand out. I like to say you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Why? Because you're different. The Bible calls us what? Peculiar people, zealous of what? Good works. You're a different person. All right. Got a lot of notes here and little time. Number two. Or number one, a letter A, whatever. The children of Israel were set to ease of this world. They understood exactly what was going on. They understood uh, that the old ways, they were basically content to be set in what they wanted to do. They understood that they would be given their, uh, they had to make their bricks. They had to do what the Egyptians said, but he, they could continue to live their life. But the children understood something else. They discovered that to, obedience to God is a lot harder than obedience to the flesh. When they got to this situation, they had to learn to trust God, didn't they? They didn't have food. What did they have to do? They had to go out there and they had to go collect what? Manna every day. Well, when they were in the Egyptians' uh, lifestyle, they just did what the Egyptians said and they would have their food. No, when you serve God, you have to trust God. You have to believe that he is and that he's a, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
When you look to Jesus Christ every morning, every day, and you say, I need to do this, I need to do that. Too many people look, 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 Christians get to this point where they get so frustrated with what they need to get done. And they want to do it on their timetable and they want to do it on, on their will that they forget that God is still there. He's ready for to answer your prayer. He's just waiting for you to ask. We get to that point where we need, we have a need, and we get too wrapped up in ourselves, and we get too wrapped up in what we want to do. Take a little second and say, God, what do you want me to do? Obedience is very easy as long as we allow God to help us with the obedience. But if we try to do it through the flesh, you say, what is the flesh? The flesh is this, this body here. If we try to do it with the old man, it's impossible. Romans chapter 7, turn there. Romans chapter 7 and verse 21. I love what Paul has to say here. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. Verse 121 says, I find then a law that when I do, do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This is the verse here. Listen folks. This is the verse. Verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that when the, with the mind I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh the law of sin. Listen to me. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's Jesus Christ that gives us the victory. It's Jesus Christ that releases us from the power and control of Satan. It's Jesus Christ that gives us the uh, victory over sin. It's Jesus Christ that helps us become the Christian that we need to be. Number two, not only do we lose the idea of oh, we're lost in our sin, but secondly, a lot of Christians lack the discipline to go into the land of promise. The Jews have been told to do all their lives exactly what they were supposed to do every minute of the day. Every second of the day they were to do whatever they, their masters told them to do. But what happened was is they were given a choice to serve God or serve themselves. And sometimes they serve themselves. Listen, you have a choice. You have liberty. The Bible's very clear. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. Where's your liberty at? Are you defining yourself by what the flesh tells you to do? Are you defining yourself by the works of the law? Or are you defining yourself of Jesus Christ, your Savior? The Bible says in 2 Timothy that we're not to what? We're to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of life that he might please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. A soldier is someone who's disciplined. A soldier is someone who's been trained. A soldier is someone who takes a stand and says, I know this is where I need to stay and I'm not moving until God moves me. Letter C. Jews could not make up their mind of who to serve. They were not disciplined in their mind. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask about God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Verse 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing in wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let no man say, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Right. A double-minded man is what? Right. Unstable in all his ways. If you're not content to serve Jesus Christ, you need to get your mind right. 
if you're not content to serve what God's given you. And you you know what that means? The Bible says anybody that lives godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. You You will suffer it. That's why I told my girls last night, I says, you realize this is a big decision. Yes, you'll go to heaven. That's great. But you know, the rest of the time on this earth is not going to be the way you think it's going to be. It's not going to be tiptoeing through the tulips. You're not sniffing the flowers the entire time. There's going to be some stress. There's going to be some troubles. But it's all worth it through Jesus Christ. I love Joshua. In verse 24, after the children of Israel had gotten to the point where the, all the remnant of those uh, wicked, wicked Israelites who had decided that they were not going to go to the land of promise had died, Joshua then gets his children of Israel together. And he asks them this question. In verse 20, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Children of Israel had spent 40 years in the wilderness. The children of Israel had what? Basically lost out on the opportunity to be in the land of promise for 40 years. Those 40 years had passed. I want to say that Joshua at that time was an 80-year-old man. Think about that for a second. My dad, what are you, you're going to be 70 this year? 70? 69? Brother Sam, how old are you? 48? You're young. You could have done this. Uh, Sister Barbara back there, she just celebrated her 75th uh, birth. What's that? 74th birthday. I thought it was 74, then 75. I'm sorry. But you know what? Can you imagine a being 80 years old and trying to take on a, a whole nother war? I can't imagine that. Joshua and Caleb were in their 80s. Can you imagine that? These men were going to what? Take on the unimaginable. And here's what he says. Verse, I love this verse. Boy, this is a rally cry I've ever saw one. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And this is what I want to kind of focus on. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell. I love this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, I don't care what you do. I know what my family's doing. I hope that's your goal. I hope that's your goal. One last point. The reason why they lost their liberty and they squandered their liberty is because the leadership was ignored. The leadership was ignored. You look at Moses. Did Moses want the job? <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, can, I can kind of feel the same way about Moses. <laughs> you know, he's out there and God says, hey, you're going to little chinny. Oh, God, I can't talk. Sorry, you got the wrong guy. I can't talk. Those God says, okay, yeah. You know, your brother Aaron, he'll do a great job. He'll go with you. <sighs> right? He gives God all these excuses. Says, God, yeah, I can't do this. And God just starts stopping the excuses one by one. Just kind of throws them down like a cardboard man. <laughs> you say, wow, God do that? Yep. And here's God giving Moses this direction, and he's got these people that he's leading. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourself, for they watch for your soul, as they may give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. I'm kind of curious if Moses had a little grief that he had to do it with. The Bible also says in verse 11 of Ephesians, 
chapter 4, he says, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. What For what? In verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, till we all come to the what? The unity of the faith. Listen, God's given you a pastor. God's given you a husband, ladies. God's given you, listen kids, a daddy. He's given you a mommy. Maybe he's even given you both. But listen to me. God's given you someone to what? Listen to. The children of Israel, they didn't listen to the leadership. They decided they were going to do exactly what they want to do. And what happened? Forty years. Forty years. God gave them Moses to direct them onto good paths. He says, look, hey, I'm not God and I'm not the Lord. But you know what? I know someone that is. And I know he wants you to take this path. Don't get me wrong. There's too much, uh, especially independent Baptists. There's so much man worship, it's disgusting. I'm saddened and sickened at the same time. Don't follow your pastor blindly. I'm not saying that. You should go home and your pastor preaches a message. You better write it down. Say, you know what? What do you have to say here? It better be right. It better be with the Word of God. If it's not with the Word of God, you better come back to your pastor and say, Pastor, this is not right. I'll gladly talk to you about it. I've had people come to me about things. And I had to humble myself and say, you're right. Listen to me. But you should listen to your pastor. Why? He's got some truth. God's given him what? Directive. You wouldn't go into a business and you're trying to sell something to the business and you'd go to the uh, the guy that's on the, the truck dock, would you? Where would you go? You'd go straight to the CEO, wouldn't you? Why? Because he's the one that controls the business. And listen to me. God gives the what? Opportunities for the pastor to lead and to direct and to what? God inspires. He inspires his pastor to lead and direct. Don't think that you can be a Lone Ranger Christian in today's world. Not only do you need your pastor, but you need each other. Let me Christians sit back. Well, you know what? I'm going to go worship God on my own today and and I don't need church. I can I can listen to it on the internet. Go right ahead. But you're not doing it God's way. God gave them Moses to help shepherd them. God gave them Moses to bring them back into the way. What happened with the uh, 99? The one lost sheep. What happened when he got lost? What happened? Shepherd went after him, didn't he? You might have your pastor come and say, hey, you know what? I don't like doing this. My dad knows I'm not a non-confrontational person. But when I get confrontational, i got to control myself. And I have to ask God to help me. I don't like to be confrontational on some things. Sometimes I'll come to you and I'll talk to you. Because why? It's my job. It's my job. God comes to you and talks to you, great. But you know what? God will use your pastor to talk to you as well. God gave them Moses because he had already tested Moses. Listen to me. The children of Israel don't, didn't realize, they didn't see all the things that Moses had to go through. From the time that he had killed that Egyptian and went back out into the, the wilderness, what had happened? He had to spend 40 years on the backside of a desert. And he knew after those 40 years and God came to him in a burning bush, I don't want to do this, God. God tested him. It's interesting if you read further on here in, in, in uh, Numbers that God literally came to Moses and what did he say? 
I'm just going to destroy these children of Israel. I'm fed up with them. We're going to start a whole new line with you. What did Moses do? No, God, no, 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 no. Keep them. They're good. Just give me a chance. And that's every pastor. He loves his people. He's shepherding his people. He's not doing it for fame. He's not doing it for wealth. What is he doing it for? Because it's God's will. And you should be doing the same. What are you doing it for? It's for God's will. God gave them Moses because he trusted Moses. He trusted Moses. Listen to me. God gives us all an opportunity to serve him. God gives us all an opportunity to have the liberty through Jesus Christ. But it's your decision to say, I'm going to go forward with the land of promise or I'm not. I'm going to do what God expects from me or I'm not. That's that free choice that you have. Praise God for free will. God didn't just want a bunch of robots walking around saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want. Yes, Lord. He wanted you to do it out of the abundance of your heart. You look at this guy up here, I'm 40 years old. I don't have a lot to offer, but I do know this. God's given me a job to do, and I'm going to be faithful to it. I'm not going to turn aside. As a Christian, what is your goal in this life? You say, Brother Harold, I can't get victory over sin. Why not? Why not? Jesus saved you. Did he save you from the uttermost? Is Jesus still on the throne? God still love you? Have you resisted unto blood, the Bible says? Striving against sin? It's a question you need to ask yourself. Are you squandering your liberty that God's given you today? Let's stand together. Chloe, if you could...